Welcome to Seats, Tables, and Invitations. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Ubeku. Uh, So glad to have you with us today. Come on in and get comfortable. Invite a friend. uh, Share the podcast. And before I go further, uh, I'd like to invite you, if you've not done so already, to encourage you to check out the Bond.Radio Facebook platform. Uh, We have a a whole array of presenters that are dynamic, uh, that are here to inspire you, to encourage you, to empower you, challenge you, to be all that God has called for you to be, to encourage you in your everyday walk in practical ways, spiritual ways. So again, I invite you, encourage you to you know, check out the the podcast, check out all of the presenters and, you know, uh, you uh, may want to follow the, the, um, the page and get the notification so that you're aware when we're live and share with your friends and family. Uh, we are, are broadcasting in many places on many continents. And so uh, we want to expose as many people as we can to this uh, dynamic uh, tool uh, that the Lord has given to uh, inspire people uh, everywhere. So I didn't want to go further without doing that. So again, I'm your host, Dr. Linda Ubeku, and uh, we are on the Seats, Tables, and Invitations platform. And today's podcast will be called Invitations Part 1. Uh, we'll be dealing with different aspects of invitations um, as the uh, next couple of podcasts go along. So, um, one of the things that uh, I'm mindful of, you know, is who the audience is. And uh, I believe that we have, uh, you know, two people that we focus upon. And I've repeated this, you know, uh, before. And uh, one is, you know, an audience that um, they've been born, you know, they may have gone to school, they've grown up, they have a job and all of that, you know, but they still have yet to discover the very reason that their father's sperm came together with their mother's egg and produced them and they got to the planet. And uh, some are just merely existing in life, you know, and just going through the motions every day. But there's no real highs and lows. And, uh, you know, some are left after a certain period of years on the planet to believe that that's all that there is to it. If that's you, I'm so glad that you've taken the time to um, to come on. And uh, we're hoping to whet your appetite uh, that you would want to learn more and, and know more. And for the others... <clears throat> Uh, part of my job in the body of Christ is to provoke us, you know, to challenge us, to be all that God has called for us to be. And uh, so I do that in a number of ways, you know, of reminding us who we are. Uh, I remind us, you know, one, uh, uh, you know, habit and, and um, you know, that's gotten formed in the body of Christ over many years is that uh, we've become really um 
church focused or four walled a church focus and we believe that everything that has to do with Christianity has to do with the hour of 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning or midweek evening service whether it's a Tuesday Wednesday or Thursday but I want to tell you child of God that whether you are not in the family yet or whether you're in the family that when God created you according to Psalms 139 that he did didn't do that by happenstance. He did that by design and you were uniquely created, you know, to, to, for a purpose in the earth to solve a particular problem. You know, you're not an accident uh, and neither are you an echo. You're not because God didn't have anything better to do. And, uh, you know, uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, it says that Jesus gave gifts to men. And we know that that's the fivefold ministry, the apostles, teachers, pastors, evangelists, Angeles and um, we know that and that their job is to equip the saints but they're to equip the saints for a purpose they're to equip the saints to do to do to do to do the work of ministry and so you know some kind of way that's gotten turned upside down and we believe that we're uh, the majority of people believe that they're supposed to be spectators and that they come to watch a show and they come to watch the fivefold do the work of ministry but that's not the way that um, it was designed that's not the purpose for which Jesus gave the fivefold and you know the Lord as a good economist as a good farmer, when a seed is planted in the ground, the Lord has great hope and expectation for that seed. And so, um, you know, in Matthew chapter 13, it is said that we are the good seed, that the good seed are the children of the kingdom. And Jesus is the sower of us. He sows us in the world. He did not just sow us inside of a church building. He didn't just uh, sow us into a limited space. And so where he sowed us, and he defined it in Matthew chapter Chapter 13, he said, the field where he's sowing the seed is the world. And so he um, sowed us there, you know, with the intent that we would produce something even within that field, even regardless of the circumstances, the situations, the challenges, the fight, the you know, for the turf, because he also tells us there that uh, the tares are from the enemy, you know, that the enemy sows the tares in the same field. And so there are two things growing up at one time or looking to produce something at the same time. It's the tares, the things that would choke out the good fruit and there are the, there's a the good seed that's supposed to grow up and be good fruit to be sown into the earth to cause men to come unto Christ to cause the kingdom to be expanded to be a salt and light in the earth uh, to dispel darkness by being somewhere and so um, you know um, I just want to talk about some things that are related to that if I might and so, you know, our, our life with Christ, as many of you know, you know, it began with a covenant. You know, God made a promise and he said that we would not perish, you know, 
that he sent Jesus into the earth, that we would not perish, but that we would have everlasting life. And a lot of times, you know, uh, there are so many people with a mindset that we're waiting to go to heaven and that we're just going to these two places, you know, twice a week and that there's really not much required of us. But when we look around and we see the earth, you know, Romans chapter eight tells us, and I believe I said that on another on another podcast, that uh, we are told that the whole earth earth, you know, on tiptoes with bated breath is waiting in earnest expectation for the manifestation of the sons of God. So I want you to understand, child of God, that you've been given a second invitation. The first invitation was for you to hit the planet, to come here, and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God outfitted you uh, physically, mentally, uh, you know, psychologically, uh, hormonally, you know, the way that your anatomy is, you know, you're tall or short, uh, all of the physical characteristics that you had. God painstakingly took time to design you and create you a certain way, but it was for his purpose in mind. Not only did he create your physical body in a certain kind of way, but the Lord determined when you would actually come into the planet. You were always in the forethought, in the foreknowledge of God. But according to what was going on in the earth at particular times and seasons, you know, the historical events that were going on uh, in the earth, uh, God decided, you know, he would outfit a man. He would create someone. He would endow them with certain things. And then he would cause them to work, you know, or to, to operate at maximum capacity by introducing them to his son, having somebody to share the gospel with them, help them to receive him so that, you know, whereas they had maybe all of the physical attributes, everything beside the spirit, but then they would be regenerated through knowing Jesus Christ and their spirit life can be activated, that they can go back and fulfill what uh, the Lord said in Genesis chapter 126, that let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let uh, man have dominion in the earth over, you know, all of the other created beings. And so um, the Lord said, let him be uh, created and made in our image and in our likeness. And the only part of us, body, soul, and spirit that could be created and made in the image of God is the spirit part of us. And so we were dead spiritually. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but the Lord quickened us uh, spiritually to be able to track with him, to hear from him, to move with him, to act as agents and co-regents on the earth in his stead if you will, to legislate, you know, to have the same um, uh, jurisdiction as Jesus Christ has appointed unto us to have. He did not leave the world to go to hell in a handbasket, but he left us here to see to it what happens. But we cannot do that from a Afar. We cannot do that with the only hope that people will come into our church building, that some kind of way they'll come and hear our pastor, you know, and our message has to change from. Uh, come and go to church with me and come and hear my pastor to, you know, realizing that we are the manifested sons of God that the that the earth is waiting to see, uh, you know, and that's along with the fivefold ministry, but we are not counted out and they were never intended to do all of the work. And so the whole uh, uh, notion of winning souls, you know, this is part of Jesus's apostolic commission. If you are never called as an apostle or any of the 
fivefold ministry, you are still a part of Jesus's apostolic mission because to, to be an apostle means to be a sent one. And Jesus did. He said, go ye into all the earth and preach the gospel to every creature. And he also said, make disciples of every nation. Everything that I've taught you, teach them likewise. And so this pattern, you know, is an eternal pattern until the earth is no more and this is no longer necessary. And so we have a job to do. We have, uh, you know, we have uh, something that we're going to have to give an account and give answer to. And so I would say, you know, that this podcast is for you. If you can look around, you know, and see that in, you know, the, the last several weeks, this last several months, the last several years that you can't count the last time that you won somebody to Christ, that you shared your testimony with them, that you shared the story of Jesus, that you laid hands on the sick and saw them recovered, that you cast the devil out of someone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, when uh, the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit are outlined, the Lord did not say that that was for the fivefold to do. He said, these signs shall follow those that believe. And so if you are a believer, then this qualifies you to not only for these signs to follow you, but for you to be a aware of it, for us to have practice doing it, for us to become proficient at it, and then begin to teach and disciple another. And we don't have to wait until we get to a church building. We look and see, where do I have influence? Where has God given me that people listen to me, that, you know, their their trust is in me? They might not uh, trust my pastor. They might not like, you know, uh, pastors. They might have had a bad experience with church. You know, well, how are they going to be one back to Jesus? Jesus, if they're equating Jesus with a man or woman, a God that did not quite act the way that they they could. You know, the Lord will circle us back around, cause us to have favor with them, cause us uh, to, to have them on our lips in prayer that the Lord will, uh, he will uh, deal with their hearts and that he will, um, you know, uh, tenderize their hearts and that he will, you know, cause us to, to, to cause the adversary to flee from them. That will cause them to be filled with doubt and fear and worry and unbelief and hardness of heart and witches and warlocks that come around like a Simon the sorcerer to bewitch people to make sure that their their eyes are blinded it says the God of this world has blinded the minds of the children of disobedience but this is where we come in because Jesus said behold I give unto you um, a power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He said, whatsoever things you bind on the earth, I will back it up. I will bind it in heaven. If you lose something that's good or that's needed in the earth, I will back it up. Just pray according to my will, according to my word. And we will find that the Lord is there co-signing what we're doing and that he's given us far more authority than we walk in and than we exercise on a daily basis. So as I said, I came to um, provoke you, you know, I came to challenge you, and but it's all out of the love of God for you and his desire to use you in a mighty way. So uh, hold on, we're going to take a slight break and uh, we'll be right back with you, but don't go anywhere. And if you haven't invited uh, someone already, please do so. All right, be right back with you. So, child of God, um, welcome back. Uh, again, if you're just joining us, uh, I'm Dr. Linda 
Ubeku, and we're on the uh, Seats, Tables, and Invitations platform, and today we're talking about Invitations Part 1, so welcome. And so we uh, left off talking about um, the responsibilities that we have, you know, and the, the need for us to be aware of what we've been made a part of and what Jesus has, he has uh, equipped us, he has capacitated us, he's endowed us, he's enabled us, he's deputized us and he's authorized us to speak on his on his behalf to speak in his name and to help to set the captives free amen and so this starts with um, our own posture and the places in our hearts regarding our life and our lifetime. Uh, you know, as I said, not only did the Lord design us in a certain way, our physical bodies, but the Lord decided the context with which we would enter the earth. Every one of us, when we came to the earth, there was something going on in the earth. There was something going on in your locality that's nearest to you. There was something, some his historical events going on in your state or in your country or in your on your continent there was something that was going on that the reason part of the reason that you were born during that time was to help to be one of the uh, those that would have a role in how that generation and that period of time, that era, you know, in time, how that would go down in history. And we are players on this stage, if you will. You know, we all have our own role to play. And when we don't, you know, we know that there's periods of time, you know, in the Bible that there was darkness, you know, that there was times when the word of the Lord was scarce. You know, was there ever a time when, you know, God did not speak or or interact with his people no but sin can cause there to be darkness even as it was you know in the very beginning of time and the Lord had to speak let there be light and so we should be cognizant of that I am here more than to take up the space on a bench or a pew that I am here to make my life count and you got to count yourself in you cannot count yourself out when it comes to the things of the Lord you have to say that I am able that I am well able, like a Joshua, like a Caleb, you know, and uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about is the right that you have uh, to do that, you know, but I I don't want to get ahead of myself. But anyway, you know, one of the things that the Lord does when he sends us, you know, into the earth, the Lord sends us into the earth as, and so one of the reasons, you know, that the Lord, um, the, the Lord is a military strategist, you know, and so the words and, um, you know, phrases that are translated out of the um, out of the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic, you know, those words have specific meanings and, you know, they have a first use meaning. They have a, a how they're used most often, you know, and and, um, you know, if you were to get into all of that, which we're not going to get into today, but I want to um, I want to look at um, the book of Judges and I'm talking about uh, that there's specific purpose and reason that you came to the earth, that you were brought to the earth to solve a problem. And a lot of times there's something going on, something that's out of order that, 
that the Lord is setting back in order, that he is rearranging something. And, uh, you know, such as uh, before I give you the definition, I'm just going to give you some some practical examples. Uh, for instance, like when a Martin Luther uh, came into the earth in the 16th century. Uh, Martin Luther was a German professor of theology. He was born in 1483, and he was, as many of you may know, he was a major figure in the Protestant Reformation. Uh, you know, at, at the time, which is a lot of times the case, you know, especially when leadership is, there's a vacuum in leadership. It's either a non-existent altogether, it's either silent or it's either corrupted. And by being corrupted and being with mixture, as we said on another broadcast, it renders its leadership in the way that the Lord would flow through that vessel to establish change in the earth, to bring about something that has never been, uh, to cause uh, there to be the coming of the will of God and the, you know, uh, uh, heaven on earth, you know, uh, the will and the word of God to come. And so, um, Jesus told us to pray that prayer. He said, thy will be done, thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. So whenever things are out of order, we can look for God some kind of way. He is going to send an answer. So through a Martin Luther, because the Catholic church was out of order, there was lots of corruption going on. You know, the priests were abusing their power. Uh, they were making people think that they had to pay to get to heaven, that they had to pay to get out of purgatory. You know, um, that they were not able to read the Bible on their own, that all of the interpretation had to come from them, not from the Bible itself, but from uh, extraneous other literature that they came up with, you know, to justify what they were doing. So in the heart of this man, the Lord stirred up, you know, an unrest. He stirred up an agitation, an irritation, a frustration, an anger, you know, with the way that things were being done. And so he began to confront and protest uh, the way that some of those things were done. And, and I'm not going to get all into the story, but three points of things that he caused to be reformed, you know, that it was not that way. And a lot of times, you know, we have to understand uh, something that's gotten lost along the way. You know, when the apostles, when they left the earth, you know, um, or the things that they were called to set in place, you know, with the book of Revelation being the last thing. Jesus has set a lot of order after he died. But then, you know, as time went on, as uh, the enemy was sown into different people, as they went, you know, about their way and got into sin and start leaning unto their flesh and all of this kind of stuff, you know, and as men are greedy and always powder hu uh, power hungry because of the adversary that is, you know, the reason that he got kicked out of heaven, he's been doing nothing since, but going to and fro on the earth seeking who he may the uh, who he may devour and how he devours men is by tempting them with the same things that he is and the same thing that he did so he will always cause he's always chomping at the bit in a power struggle and cause men to be in some kind of power struggle with each other forgetting you know that they are to have dominion over things and not each other and so 
we began to confront these things and in, in three particular places that I want to cite that he confronted, you know, that um, that you don't get saved by paying your way out of purgatory or paying your way into heaven, that you are saved by faith and not of works, according to Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. And uh, then uh, that the Bible is <clears throat> the ultimate authority for uh, mankind, that it is our guide, that there is that no no other book trumps the Bible. So catechism, any other book, you know, that anybody else, any other religious group would say that this is the book that we live by. The Bible is God's ultimate authority. John chapter one tells us that, you know, in the beginning was God, that it was God's word. God and his word were one. Nothing was done without the word of God. The worlds were framed by God's word. So um, he was using this man and I'm talking about God, you know, as a military strategist. And I'm going to define the word that I'm using in a scriptural reference in a moment. But what I wanted to first uh, cause you to see is, um, you know, just some practical examples. Sometimes, you know, people need something in real life that they can maybe relate to. So um, he also the third piece uh, that he confronted or protested about was the priesthood of the believer. So he did not believe that the only priest, you know, there was not supposed to be anybody between God and man. The priests in the Catholic church have usurped the authority. Uh, the Bible tells us, and I didn't get a write down that reference. You know, you can look it up if you want to, because it's not my main point is coming to mind right now. But uh, it, we are told that there is one mediator, the man Christ Jesus, that he is the one that has broken down down the middle wall of partition between us and God. There is nobody else that we have to go through to get to God. There is nobody else that has to speak on our behalf to God. In John chapter 17, Jesus says, you will no longer ask me. You will ask the father in my name and the father will answer you. And he said, ask the father so that your joy may be full. Amen. So he gave us the right. He gave us the privilege and he gave us the response responsibility to have a interactive, you know, nobody in between us and God kind of relationship that we all were bought and purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. No one is more holy than another person. We all God leveled the playing field. He leveled the playing field. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so, you know, it levels it for everybody. It doesn't matter. Even leaders, they still have to have faith in God. They cannot have faith in their titles. They cannot have faith in their position. They cannot have faith in who likes them or how many followers or whatever. If they ever have faith in those things, they will be in trouble because those things are not designed to hold them up. Okay. And even if they, they begin to do that, you know, if somebody does not know they're in an office, you know, they, they've been ordained into an office or a position, but they never figured out identity according to who they are, uh, according to Genesis chapter one and according to their heart who they are in Christ Jesus. If they have not settled the issue of identity, they still are not going to be a good leader. 
they still are going to have trouble. They still are going to uh, abuse and misuse the people, or misuse and abuse the office. Uh, it's the same as those priests did in, in uh, Martin Luther's time. Uh, the reason that they will do that is because they do not have an understanding. And the Lord says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and not because they didn't have access to knowledge, but because they rejected the knowledge that was provided to them. So the Lord wants us, you know, in talking about invitations and in preparing for, you know, the journey of why we are here and what is our purpose and what seats, tables and invitations have been extended unto me. And what does the Lord want me to occupy? What space am I to occupy in the earth where I'm at with the set of circumstances, uh, with what's going on in my world where I live at? And what am I supposed to do about it? He would have for us to be cognizant. Now, another man that God uh, caused to come, you know, in, in the fullness of time, you know, and also within the context of what was happening uh, in the earth, you know, God knew that, uh, that there was a slave ship that had brought some people over here, you know, uh, on the, the, um, you know, from the continent of Africa to the continent of North America. And the North, the Lord knew that there was going to be a long time. And so he used many men, you know, to institute things. But those men had to accept the invitation. Abraham Lincoln had to accept the invitation to for it to come to his heart. And I don't know who else helped him, you know, but to get enough boldness, enough courage, even in the context of everything that was going on, the Civil War and everything going on in the United States of America. He had to have enough gumption, enough audacity to write the Emancipation Proclamation and come to the conclusion that these people were never supposed to be somebody else's slaves. You know, he was sent to the earth for that. You know, go down some more years and, and you know, uh, you had in... Um, you know, 1929 for Dr. Martin Luther King to be uh, born, you know, to be uh, raised up as a Christian for such a time, you know, when there was uh, upheaval, when the, the children of, of, you know, not just the children of God, but when black Americans, you know, and you know the story of this and you know the story of Dr. Martin Luther King. But the point that I'm making is that the invitation was given to these men, you know, and an invitation, you know, when some, when the whole invites you and sends you an invitation, especially a formal invitation, you know that you have to RSVP. You can either accept the invitation or you can decline the invitation, but the invitation has been given. It has been extended. Your name, your address, and all of that has been secured from the host to specifically send it to you, not to send it to your next door neighbor. They want you to be at the wedding. They invited you to the graduation, and so you have to decide, are you going? Or are you not going? And so whatever it is that the Lord has invited you to the very purpose, the reason that you've come to the earth, you have got to decide that I am accepting or declining the invitation. And the Lord is not going to make the decision for us. He gives us the right to choose. He gives us free will and he won't make the decision for us, but we will uh, be held accountable for the invitations that we were given and fear won't be able 
able to be one of the the reasons, you know, what people thought, um, what my my best friend was going to think, you know, what uh, this one was going to think. Oh, you know, they've done so much for me. And, you know, uh, I have been here and, and da, 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 da. All of the things that the enemy would give us to cause us to count ourselves out, to defer to somebody else, you know, those things just simply won't hold water. So look at what Dr. Martin Luther King was invited to. He was invited for his life to be cut short. He was invited to have um, um, to have a uh, a short window, a very short window of time before his life ended. You know, before he turned 30, he was uh, the invitation was given to him when he was 26. And he had a few short years, I believe it was uh, nine years that he had, you know, for this thing that he had been invited to. Uh, persecution, turmoil, you know, the, 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 the temptation of guilt, because, you know, in that upheaval and that confronting of this racist, uh, oppressive, uh, power, uh, system that was in place, many people got killed. Many people lost their lives, you know, the same as with, uh, uh apartheid in South Africa with, uh, you know, uh, president Nelson Mandela with all of the freedom fighters, you know, that helped to forge, you know, the end of apartheid in that nation. It came with a cost. The invitation came with a cost. The invitation came with much bloodshed. It did not, you know, it did not end overnight. So they had to be willing, you know, every, uh, just think about all the costs, you know, the fear of their families, not knowing whether they would come home and uh, uh, apartheid, you know, many uh, people being killed, being murdered. And it was not uh, found out until years later later, what even happened to them? Uh, I remember watching, I don't remember if this is what they call them or not. And, and I know that, you know, a good deal of, of our audience is South African. So I'm not telling you anything new, but I'm just, you know, making my case for invitations. But, you know, I'm talking about the cost of the invitation. And so when they had those, uh, I believe, tribunals or whatever they were called, and they aired those things here in the States on the PBS channel for weeks, you know, they allowed us to see them. But I'm going to hold that thought right there and I'll be right back with you. Um, I I didn't, I was remiss in my time to see that we need to take a break. So let's take a short break and I'll be right back with you. Don't go anywhere. Hold on to your seats and we'll be right back. All right. Okay. So I was um, talking about, um, you know, an ordered place, uh, an ordered place. And, um, you know, how this was a military tactic of the Lord. And I was talking about um, before I went to, you know, I'm going to go to the definition of that word, I believe is pertinent to what we're talking about. But I was talking about before we left off, I was talking about the um, the cost of an invitation. And yet the invitation had been extended. And with the three men that I cited, Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King and President Nelson Mandela, um, that, you know, uh, at least for two of the, the last two, you know, it cost them their life. 
Uh, but what was what what came out of it? You know, something greater, something that uh, had far more to do with their own personal life. But it was the purpose for which God brought them into the earth. It was the very purpose for which they were born. Even though God knew that they would suffer great hardship, you know, Martin Luther was excommunicated from the Catholic Church because of his beliefs and his refusal to recant what he had said. And it changed, you know, the way that people, when people realized that they could open up their Bibles themselves and that they could learn, you know, and and it happened at the same time that the printing press was created. And so Bibles were now being produced, you know, and the, the priest could not just hold on to the word and the people were left in the dark and they had to take what the priest said that it said and could not see for themselves. So these things revolutionized life for people, but the invitation had to be accepted by those men, by those particular men. And so I wonder what you've been invited to, child of God. I wonder what you've been invited to change. I wonder what struggle that you've been invited to enter into, you know, and sometimes it may be the simplest thing of holding your marriage together when all hell is fighting you, when every demon is coming to you and your spouse and telling you that you'd be better off, you know, to leave each other, that the grass is greener over on the other side where you've been invited to stay. You know, I remember one time, you know, I was in Uh, I had a great temptation, you know, uh, regarding my own marriage and I just didn't see it getting any better. And I thought that I would just be better off, you know, just going on about my way and letting him go on about his way. And I remember I went to, um, uh, drugstore here, you know, and they had uh, divorce kits that you could get one yourself and fill everything out. And I guess find a, a lawyer. I don't even know what all is said because the Lord stopped me before then. But anyway, you know, here I am in this store and I'm standing up, you know, in this uh, Walgreens and I'm standing by the things and I'm so self-conscious. I'm scared to even touch the kit, but I'm standing there and I got all of this going on in my mind and I felt like I was looking crazy. So I thought probably somebody, if they saw me, they I probably would think I was crazy. But anyway, uh, now, uh, from that day to this day, I have never seen in walks. I'm standing up there. I'm looking crazy. I'm debating getting this divorce kit. And in walks in one of our associate pastors and his wife. And I think I've never seen them all the time that I was in that particular neighborhood at that time. I'd never seen them in that Walgreens. And it was a popular one. It sat on a main corner. You know, I never saw them in there. And so they came in and they looked at me and said, uh, hi, sis, how you doing? And they had kind of had their eyebrows bucked and they was looking at me from afar. And they said, are you all right? And I, I knew I was looking crazy. And I said, um, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I, you know, they gave me a hug and went on what they were doing. And the Lord said, get out of this store and don't come back to this section again, you know. And so, um, you know, so um, the enemy may be fighting you. But your invitation is to hang in there. God has something greater in mind. And yes, it's tough. And yes, you know, uh, everything mentally, emotionally, in all kinds of ways, you know, may be telling you. Now, I uh, uh, take to uh, say with the exception 
of abuse. You know, if you're being physically abused or something like that, I'm not advocating for anybody to stay in a situation that may cost them their life or their children. But I'm saying, you know, a lot of times it's not that. It's not that we're being abused. It's that the pressure is on the marriage because marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers, the Lord and adulterers, the Lord will judge is what he says in Hebrews. So, you know, it's not necessarily that whatever the invitation is, that is going to be easy. Maybe we have a child, you know, we want to throw in the towel on that child and we pray prayer in and prayer out, you know, uh, every kind of prayer, every which way do we know how to pray? You know, and a lot of times uh, what the enemy does, you know, he will make us feel like because we are children of God, he will make us feel embarrassed. He will make us feel ashamed like you are a child of God. And so these things should not be happening in your family. You know, you should have the perfect marriage and the perfect children and the, you know, the, the white house with the picket fence and the dog and the cat and all the pigtails of the, the daughter should stay in place and she should be cute and darling and the son should just be so well-mannered and oh, what a lovely family. Well, it doesn't always happen like that. You know, many of us have come out of any of all kinds of things that have been in our bloodline and the Lord says, tag, you're it. You're the one that I'm breaking this bloodline curses off of and it's going to cost you something because the ones that came from behind you, these were strongholds. They were the, these were demonic forces, but nevertheless, I've invited you. I put down inside of you when I called you to the earth and I called you to my family. I called you to win. I called you to have victory. I called you and said that I would be with you and that no weapon formed against you would prosper. And we have to choose. I'm going to believe God or I'm not going to believe God. His word is true or his word is not true. And so a lot of times the Lord invites us to divorce ourselves, divorce ourselves from emotion, divorce ourselves from leaning into our own understanding, uh, divorce ourselves from the way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to destruction. We have to decide and we have to arm ourselves with, I'm going to RSVP and say, I accept this invitation with all that comes with it. Because God, you knew when you gave me the invitation, you knew everything that was uh, that was uh, uh, associated with it, that was related to it. But you also gave me the invitation and your outcome was for me to have victory. And those that would be affected by my yes to this invitation would also be uh, affected, you know, that they would be uh, positively impacted. Amen. And so, um, I believe that we will, um, let's see, we got a little bit more that I want to look at and then we'll wrap up and we'll have uh, our part two. So, uh, yeah, I said that I wanted to, um, I wanted to um, look at the definition for this ordered place, but I'm going to take a break. I want you to stay right where you're at, uh, hold on to your seats, and I'll be right back with you in a moment. Okay. Welcome back. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Linda Ubeku, and we're talking about invitations on the seats, tables, and invitations platform. And again, just want to put another plug in for uh, before we continue with today's 
podcast. I just want to put another plug in for Vaughn.radio on the Facebook platform. Uh, If you've only come to this particular podcast, but you've not listened to any of the other presenters, I would encourage you to, um, you know, check out the rest of the lineup of presenters. I would, you know, encourage you to uh, become a follower, to get the notifications so that you know when we're live. But, you know, we're here to inspire you, to encourage you. We're here to um, empower you, you know, to even confront and challenge, you know, faulty belief systems that keep you from being all that God has called for you to be, to keep you from having that abundant life that Jesus has died and rose again that you might have. All right, then. So uh, check it out. So anyway, I said that without further ado, I'm going to, I want us to go over to uh, Judges chapter 6. And uh, I thought that this was very interesting. Uh, In Judges uh, chapter 6, and um, the context, without me going all into the scripture, because I don't want to do that. But the context is, is that um, basically the children of Israel, they were getting beat left, right, and center um, by the uh, Midianites. And uh, they were, you know, eating up all their crops. They were being seriously oppressed by them. And their cry had come up to the Lord. And the Lord had rehearsed to them, you know, his promise to them about the promised land when he brought them out of Egypt and all of that. And uh, he had said to them, he said, it's because of your disobedience that you're in this state, which is always the case, you know, with the child of God. You know, it's never uh, most often that it's some eye that needs to be done or T that needs to be crossed if there is constant defeat, you know, constant. It's either it's currently something that perhaps we did or something that we need to investigate that has come down to us, but it still was the result of some sin somewhere, okay? So this was the case with them in uh, Judges chapter 6. And so um, the Lord came and uh, he found... um, Gideon, okay, and uh, Gideon was um, uh, called a, a mighty man there. And as I said, I'm not going to go into uh, all of the the whole entire story. Um, if you want to look at Judges chapter six, uh, you can, but uh, that's not my assignment for right now. But what I want to look at, I'm I'm stressing invitations, and I'm talking about that a lot of times that people are sent to the earth and sent to a particular geographical location within the context of a history of a people of something that happens to be happening during that period of time that they're sent to the earth and they're sent to make a difference. They are sent. Remember, I said that um, that the whole earth with bated breath is awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. So here uh, in verse 26 of chapter uh, six, it says, um, well, actually, let's start with verse uh, 24 it says, then uh, Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. And we know that that means the God of peace. Unto this day, it is yet an Oprah of the Abiezrites. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, so he had already called him earlier in the chapter. He had called him a Gideon, a mighty man of valor. And at that time, you know, Gideon was uh, uh, working in the threshing floor, you know, threshing the wheat. And he was like, what are you talking about, God? You know, if I'm such a mighty man of valor, then why are these Midianites beating the heck out of us? And, um, 
So then, you know, he, he says to him in the night in verse 25, he says, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath and cut down the grove that is by it and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. Remember that, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. And so Gideon took ten men with him because he was afraid of his father's household, you know, but his father was an idol worshiper. And so you think about that. This, you know, this is a funny context right here. The Lord has come, he has found somebody who is the the son of living in the house of an idol worshiper, one that had built statutes and built groves, you know, in high places unto another God beside God. And so the Lord, um, as a military tactic, he had this particular son of this man to be born during this time, to be of age during this time, that he could come and give him an invitation to be a deliverer for his people. That the very reason that they were being beat was because of sin and in his very house was an affront to the Lord. And so this word here, ordered place, he told him, he said, uh, build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. Now in some places, the ordered place means, uh, it's the um, Hebrew word, Ma Araka, Ma Araka, M A Astrich, A R A K A H, Ma Araka. It's from the Strong's 4634. And uh, it, it means a couple of different things. But the Lord struck me that even though maybe the common meaning or the, the meaning associated with this, you know, was to be um, like sanctified, like set apart in a row, a rank or a battle line, uh, a, a rank, a row, specifically a military array, an army fight be set in order. So um, this is what the word meant. And what I was impressed of was the uh, by the Lord was that a lot of times, you know, he sends a person like a Martin Luther, a Dr. Martin Luther King, a uh, President uh, Nelson Mandela, like a, a Gideon. He sends somebody into a place to confront the status quo. That is a military tactic. The Lord is confronting his enemy. He was confronting his enemy there. He confronts the enemy of racism. He confronts the enemy of apartheid. He confronts the enemy of wickedness in his own leadership. He will raise up somebody. But if we are, if we don't even know who we are, if we don't know that we're called, if we defer everything to everybody else, then when the Lord gives us the invitation to confront the status quo, we will feel like, well, I don't have a right to do that. You know, well, do you know who that is? This was Gideon's father. You know, in order for him to go tear down this altar of Baal and to tear down these groves, you know, these places that have been erected to these foreign idol gods, in order for him to do that, he had to be made out of something. He had a few questions, but at the end of the day, he obeyed God and his obedience caused them to be able to beat the enemy. 
they were able to have victory over their enemies. And so uh, what have you been called to, child of God? What have you been invited to? You know, it's not going to cut it. You know, this I believe that this global reset is part of the reason, you know, that, that God has allowed this is to cause there to be a reset in our hearts, you know, a reset in our soul and our paradigm and our thinking about what is church? What is church for? What did God really have in mind? You know, when Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Was he talking about some physical building? I don't think so. I think he was talking about this gathered out places where his people of the same mind, of the same judgment, speaking the same things are gathered together into one place to affect that place for him, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done there, for the lives to be changed of those people. Had the apostle Paul not accepted the invitation, uh, you know, he was a staunch Jew. He was a Jew of Jews. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, you know, it said. And so uh, nobody was more staunch than he was, but he uh, accepted the invitation when he was blinded, uh, when the Lord knocked him off of that horse, you know, on the road to Damascus, he still had a choice to make, but his, his, his response to the invitation was, Lord, what would you have for me to do? And because he accepted the invitation, life for the Gentile nations changed, you know, he went into the Arabian desert for 14 years, but when he came back out of there, you know, he was ready to go. He was ready to teach, you know, the strongholds that have been in generation after generation. Those things were broken where they believed in other gods and they had pagan practices and all of that. In comes the word of God and life changes for those people. Life changes for generations to come as it got handed down like a Cornelius whose whole house was saved. So, you know, that was Peter, that wasn't Paul, but you get my point, you know, of the, of the invitation that had been extended. And so I want to leave you today, you know, uh, before we pray, I want to leave you with wondering, you know, uh, why, you know, if you haven't now, some of you might be fully in your call and, and God bless you, you know, go on and encourage somebody else to get in theirs. Some of you might be in the middle of the road. Some of you, the enemy may be trying to talk you out of it. You may have gotten the initial gumption to get up and start it. And then when the fight ensues, when, when things start coming at you, like they did, you know, with Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King and, and um, um, President uh, Nelson Mandela, when things begin to rise up, then the temptation is to quit. That's the temptation that comes and says, no, this is not for me, you know, or this is too hard or whatever, 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 you know, but we have to realize that when God gives the invitation, God also gives the provision. He gives the protection, everything that we need to say, you know, uh, to be able to survive inside of a hard uh, Robin Island jail sale for 27 years, that had to be the grace of God that enabled him to be able to mentally survive that place to, for his resolve not to be broken. And then on the outside for people to still think enough of him to carry on that movement. And it didn't die out because he was in jail. That's what they hoped that they would jail him and that the whole thing would, would, would fall apart, but it did not. And so, um, you know, I just came to encourage you today, child of God, 
I came to encourage you. I came uh, to to challenge you to, you know, if if you have been afraid, you know, I'm I'm going to pray for you and believe for the strongholds to be broken. Anything that keeps you from fully taking your seat, seated at the table that you've been called to, accept excuse me, accepting the invitation that the Lord has given to you to do specifically what he has given you to do. I want to pray for you, but I thank you for joining us today and come again a uh, same time um, on um, for our next broad, uh, our next podcast and we will see you then, but let me end by prayer for you. Father, we bless you and we thank you, oh God, that there is no God like you in the heavens or in the earth, Father. Lord, it is our honor to serve you, to worship you, and we thank you, oh God, that you are the one that called us when we were in our mother's womb. Father, you called us for purpose. You called us for destiny. You called us, Father, to assume seats and places in the earth that you had given to us before the foundation of the earth. Father, it is your military tactic that you have an ordered place for us to occupy, like when you called Gideon, Father. Lord, we will not apologize for being here, Lord, nor for the call of God upon our lives. Father God, we thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we will not be afraid nor intimidated to accept the invitation, to assume the seat and to sit down at the table assigned. Father, we won't count ourselves out, but we will count ourselves in. And Father, I thank you. I break every shackle and every chain of fear, of intimidation, Lord God, every bewitching, beguiling spirit, Father. Lord God, every spirit of manipulation, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that would come, Father, to seduce your people, Lord God, in to inactivity, into deferring to somebody else, Father. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, that you've invited us, Lord God, that we've been chosen by you. Father God, I just thank you and praise you. I impart courage, Lord God, and stability, sight, and insight to those under the sound of my voice, Father. Lord God, I declare your rule, your reign, your majesty to rest mightily upon Father, I declare that your people, Lord God, on here uh, today, Father God, and those that would listen to this at a later time, Father God, that they would recognize and understand, Father, who their father is, Lord, that they would understand, Father God, that they would not dumb down the glory of Almighty God that rests upon their lives, Father. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. We give you all of ourselves, Father, that you may do with us what you had in mind when you shaped us in our mother's womb. It was not by accident accident, oh Father, but it was by divine appointment that you brought us here. Oh Lord, we thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for eyes to be open, Father, in Jesus' name.